Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, brothers and sisters. Welcome back to Newcastle Fast FM. Alhamdulillah, we're back with another beneficial show, inshallah ta'ala, which is understanding the Quran with Imam Walid. Assalamu alaikum, Imam Walid, how are you doing? Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, jazakallah khair. Doing good, alhamdulillah, good. So today, inshallah, we're going to be continuing um, explanation of the 30th chapter of the Quran. Um, which chapters are we planning to do today? Insha'Allah, we will be doing Surah Al-Alaq, Iqra' Bismi Rabbika Alladhi Khalaq. And insha'Allah, if we have time, we will do Surah Al-Qadr as well. But insha'Allah, we'll try our best to cover Surah Al-Alaq first. Cool, that sounds good. So, brothers and sisters, as we're watching, as you're going along, if you do have any questions on the topic, please do ask in the chat. If you have any questions about these chapters in the Qur'an, maybe anything related to the topics mentioned, please do ask in the comments on the YouTube and the Facebook. And we please do ask everybody to share the stream, share it out on Facebook, share it on YouTube, and let people benefit, inshallah. And I'll hand over to yourself, uh, Imam Walid. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, salatu wassalamu ala ashraf al-anbiya'i wal-mursaleen, sayyid al-khalqi ajma'in, sayyidina wa nabiyina wa habibina wa qudwatina wa imamina Muhammad, صلى الله وسلم عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن تبعهم بإحسان المسار على نهجهم إلى يوم الدين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل عقدة من لساني يبقوا قولي pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless all of us and to keep us all safe and protected and I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to open our hearts, our minds, our souls to understanding the Quran and to act upon it and to be like what Umm al-Mu'min Aisha radiallahu anha has said when she was asked about the mannerism of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. She said, كَانَ خُلُقُهُ الْقُرْآنِ His mannerism was the Qur'an. The surah we're about to embark on today in a journey, it was the first, contains the first five ayat that was revealed to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rasulullah in the beginning of his journey um, before he received the wahi when he was trying to explore the universe around him and explore the creation and try to understand who the creator was and worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala according to the teachings of Ibrahim alayhi salam he would leave Mecca and he will go and stay in the Ghari Hira, the cave of Hira, in the Mount of Nur, Jabal al-Nur, uh, just in the outskirts of Mecca. And he will stay there in isolation, basically, similar to what a lot of people are going through or have been going through lately due to the COVID situation. But during that time, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he would use that time to contemplate to trying to understand, to stay away from all the sins of the people, to trying to make himself a better person, a better human being, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In the last year he did this, he usually stayed for a few days and then come down. But that year he stayed for a whole month, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was reaching a point where he was fed up with the way that the people of Mecca were conducting themselves and behaving. And while he was there, it was the time when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decided that the message should start. And he said, Jibreel alayhi salam to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
by himself alone in that place no one there with him no one to help him no one to support him no one to aid him if he was facing any danger and he would see this huge creature coming down at him and the Prophet would say and describe his wings has covered the whole horizon above him and Jibreel would come down and grab the Prophet Muhammad tied to himself and pulled him tight to himself and say to him, Iqra, read, recite. And the Prophet Muhammad said to him, I can't read, I can't recite. And the Prophet was illiterate, he couldn't read or write. And this is one of the miracles which was given to the Prophet Muhammad to be able to convey the Quran to the people. And he is not a literate person himself, so no one can say that he made it up. No one can say and come with an excuse and say this is out of his own imagination. Because Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam wasn't that kind of person. And he asked him the second time, and the Prophet gave him the same reply. And then the third time he said to him, Iqra' bismi rabbika alladhi khalaqo, khalaqa al-insana min alaqo, Iqra' wa rabbuka al-akram alladhi allama bil-qalam. Rasulullah as soon as Jibreel left him, he went rushing down the mountain to his home. So I will go through the ayat, I'll explain them, and then we'll explain what happened to the Prophet Muhammad when he reached his house. Read in the name of your Lord, the one who created. Who is the creator? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who is the sustainer? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. خَلَقَ الْإِنسَانَ مِنْ عَلَقٍ He created man from what? A piece of meat that is hanging from the womb. اِقْرَأْ وَرَبُّكَ الْأَكْرَمِ Read and your Rabb is the most generous. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. الَّذِي عَلَّمَ بِالْقَلَمِ The one who taught man how to write and use the pen. عَلَّمَ الْإِنسَانَ مَا لَمْ يَعْلَمِ he taught man what he knew not. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam went to his house. And the first thing he did when he went to his house, he went to his wife, Khadija radiallahu anha. And this is a lesson for the brothers and the sisters who are listening today. And they're either married or looking for marriage or trying to embark on a journey. If the marriage is perfect, the marriage is perfect you will always find solace in each other husband and wife you will always find find comfort in each other you will always find peace and tranquility with each other Muhammad didn't go to Abu Bakr he didn't go to Umar you know he didn't go to his uncle Abu Talib he didn't go to Uthman he didn't go to any of the people of Mecca who were close friends to him he went to the only person alive on that day that could give him that comfort. And that was his wife, Khadija, radiallahu anha. And she covered him. She assured him. She said, Wallahi, you are the person who takes care of your family, takes care of the poor and needy. Help those one who needs help and support those who need your support. Allah will never let you go down. Or Allah will never let you down. That's the kind of assurance that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam needed from his wife and she provided him with that she covered him with love 
she covered him with comfort she covered him with everything she had and she made sure that Muhammad وسلم, was at ease and reassured of the whole situation and then she took him to Waraqa bin Nawfal who was one of her cousins and who was an educated person who read the books the first testament and the new testament and he knew that there is a prophet would come in the end of days and that was Muhammad وسلم, when he told him about the whole situation what he saw he said this is the great angel that comes to all that came to all the prophets before you and wallahi you are the prophet of this nation and I you know if I was to live until the day you tell your people they will throw you out of your city and that's what happened to Muhammad he left Mecca so this is just a quick recap and a lot of things happened in that time and more verses were revealed to Muhammad while he was at home but we'll concentrate on what we have in our hands and we'll take lessons from the story or the short summary of the story that we just give now so we can correct ourselves and correct our behaviors with our family and our wives or our husbands may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all success and keep us all safe and protected Man will always overcross the boundaries and overcross the line with their actions and will always want more, never content, never happy, never accepting. And we see that happen nowadays. You know, you see people with lots of wealth, but they're never content, they're never happy. And that in itself shows. And you could see somebody who's very poor, but they're happy. They will always smile. They will always help people. Because they are content with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided for them. And they're accepting the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that in itself is a great blessing. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all that. You know, if he sees himself with lots of wealth, lots of children, lots of support, he thinks nothing will happen to him. No harm no damage no one can affect him no one can damage him no one can do anything wrong to him because he sees himself as a person who's covered with all that strength and protection around him because of his wealth <inaudible> to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala everyone will return everyone will return to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't matter what wealth you have doesn't matter what you've got, it doesn't matter what strength you have, body, wealth, armies, everyone will return and stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and everyone will be questioned for their own actions. Everyone, doesn't matter who they are. Now these ayats were revealed on Abu Jahl. Abu Jahl and Abu Jahl used to say to the people and there's something here that I think a lot of people nowadays will actually uh, you know would have heard in the media or would have seen it before he said to the people of Mecca have you seen Muhammad you know praying behind your backs still near the Kaaba and you know putting his head on the sand and he didn't say in a respectful manner or he dusts his face in the ground and 
you know, a few years ago, we heard that from one of the football commentators, for example, or the brothers and sisters listening in America, soccer uh, com commentators in TV, when he said about one of the Muslim players who bowed down in prostration after they scored a goal, he said, oh, he's eating grass. So this is not happening today, or this is something not born in this day and age. It's happened from the beginning when people were making fun of the Muslims and the believers when they bowed down in prostration to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he said that he was going to go and attack Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and, you know, bury his face deeper in the ground and put his foot over the neck of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, by the Lat and the Uzza, the idols that they used to worship at the time, لَإِنْ رَأَيْتُهُ يَفْعَلُ ذَلِكَ لَأَطَأَنَّ uh, if I see him do that, I will stamp on his neck and push his face further in the ground. And he came to the Prophet Muhammad while he was praying. And he was about to do what he wanted to do. And he said, you know, but he didn't. He returned back to the people. And they asked him, have you done what you want? He said, you know, he came back shaken, absolutely shaken and terrified and he said every time you know two narrations here every time i would come to closer to him i see a huge trench of fire and i feel that i was going to fall in it if i take one more step towards muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam so have you seen the one who's trying to stop the person abdan idha salla from praying near the Kaaba, and he was talking about Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam trying to pray near the Kaaba, and Abu Jahl trying to stop the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So the first narration, he saw a huge trench of fire, and he felt that he was going to fall in. The other narration, he felt that he saw a huge camel standing guard near the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and he was opening his jaws, uh, its jaws, and he was coming forward towards Abu Jahl. If he was to come any further, he felt that he was going to rip him apart. The protection of Muhammad from Abu Jahl, Allah protected him in the beginning of Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provided him with a lot of protection because he was by himself. Only a few people with Muhammad So to give that foundation, that strength, and to show the people of Mecca that they can't harm Muhammad you know, again, the speech there to the people who are trying to stop Muhammad What about if he was actually on the truth? Why wouldn't you follow him? Why wouldn't you follow him? That person who belied the Prophet Muhammad that person who ignored the Prophet Muhammad that person who completely avoided and started to force people away from Islam doesn't he know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching doesn't he know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what he's doing and here by the way is a lesson for every single tyrant across the globe those people who torture murder humiliate uh, displace people uh, oppresses them don't they know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching don't they know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what they have done? They need to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because there will be a day and they will be standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and those people they harmed, 
they tortured, they murdered, or even caused their murder, or even supported them, the, the tyrant, the people who supported the tyrants in whatever they're doing, they will be questioned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the people who are committing these murders, they will be standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the day of Qiyamah, may Allah protect us. And the killer will come with his or her victims. And the victims will be holding their wound, you know, in some directions, their head in one hand, and dropping the person who committed these murders from their collar and pulling them towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they will say, Oh Allah, ask this servant of yours, why did they kill me? What sin have I committed for them to kill me? What have I done that is so criminal for them to kill me? And they will be questioned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then they will be thrown with the hellfire for all the sins that they have committed me on So all these tyrants need to understand Allah is watching. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching, there is a saying, Allahu yumhil wa la yuhmil. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives people chances to repent, to go back, to try to correct their mistakes, to try to make themselves or whatever individual mistakes or sins or atrocities have, de- you know, have occurred, to try to correct them. But if they don't, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't forget. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will punish them one day. And it will come, inshallah, sooner than later for all these tyrants of our days nowadays. He, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is talking about the punishment for that person who is always, you know, attacking Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and trying to harm Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he was causing a lot of difficulty for a lot of the Muslims and new Muslims who accepted Islam and the torture was actually taken uh, in place on the hand or under the observation of Abu Jahl. And he was torturing a lot of the Muslims and he killed a lot of them as well. Uh, one of them was the first martyr in Islam, Sumayyah, the mother of Ammar ibn Yasir. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with her. You know, he will call his allies, the people who supported him in whatever atrocities he was committing, and we will call the guardians of the hellfire, and they will throw him in the hellfire, and they will have no protection and no support and no answer from anyone. This is Surah Al-Alaq and the first ayat that was revealed to the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. If you actually, you know, concentrate for a little bit, you will see the level of speech that was directed towards Abu Jahl. Strong uh, telling off, strong rebuke of Abu Jahl. And that in itself is a lesson for every single one of us. To try to correct ourselves and not fall on the same or the same path and the same mistakes that a lot of people are doing may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us all safe the second surah it's a very short surah and it's surah al-qadr it's talking about the night of uh, power or the night of the revelation of the Quran Laylatul uh, qadr it's uh, one of the odd nights of the month of Ramadan the last 10 nights of the month of Ramadan when the Quran was revealed to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was talking to the companions and he was telling them that there was a man in Mecca from the people of Mecca and this man has worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a very long period of time 
and uh, that time the man you know he was spending all his time in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you know the people of Mecca at the time, you know, the, the, the companions of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you know, they were a bit worried. You know, they were, you know, thinking, you know, how many years can we do that? And he, he was saying to them that, you know, there is a man who worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for more than 80 years, constantly, didn't stop. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the surah. إِنَّا أَنزَلْنَاهُ فِي لَيْلَةِ الْقَدْرِ We have revealed it in the night of Qadr, the night of power, the night of revelation. وَمَا أَدْرَاكَ مَا لَيْلَةُ الْقَدْرِ And what do you know about لَيْلَةُ الْقَدْرِ? You know, لَيْلَةُ الْقَدْرِ خَيْرٌ مِّنْ أَلْفِ شَهْرِ The ibadah in لَيْلَةُ الْقَدْرِ, in the night of power, in the night of revelation, is more equivalent to more than 1,000 months of constant ibadah and worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Salamun hiya hatta, you know, tanazzalun malaikatu wa ruhu biha bi'idni rabbihim min kulli amr. The angels descend and send their salam and they send their prayers and ask them for istighfar for the people worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that night. That's what blessings in it. Salamun hiya hatta matla al fajr. Peace and tranquility upon the people who worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until the time of fajr. And the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in the hadith, Sahih Bukhari, in hadith narrated by Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu, Man qama laylat al-qadri imanan wa ahtisaban, ghufra lahu ma taqaddama min dhanbih. Umaba stands during the night of laylat al-qadr, worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, spend that night in the worship, in the ibadah, in the salah, in the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive all their past sins, not one year, not two years, but all their past sins. But they have to have two conditions. One, they have to have Iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the second is Ihtisab, meaning you hope that you're receiving the reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us, keep us all safe and protected. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all success. So these are the two surahs that we are going to cover today and we covered them. And inshallah, we'll take your questions regarding them. And inshallah, uh, next uh, session we'll do Surah uh, Al-Bayyinah. And if we have time, inshallah, we will do Surah Al-Zalzal as well. As Ramadan is only, you know, a few months away. Uh, it's about less, maybe than, you know, four months and ten days or fifteen days. So we need to start building ourselves now for the month of Ramadan and preparing ourselves for the month of Ramadan. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us and keep us all safe and protected, inshallah. And we'll take your questions now. Zakmullah so Sister Sabrina asked, did Gabriel send this surah to the Prophet on one time or in a different situation? Uh, according to the narration, it was just on that time uh, when he said it to the Prophet Muhammad and the Prophet Muhammad was blessed with the ability not to forget the Quran because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know, said to him you know, in Surah Taha, do not try to rush into trying to memorize it because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him the ability to memorize and keep the Quran in his heart without losing any of it. How to prepare for Laylatul Qadr? Uh, to prepare for Laylatul Qadr, you need to start uh, early 
during the month of Ramadan, you know, by doing as much ibadah as you can and prepare yourself physically and emotionally and mentally for it as well and spiritually. Because if you're not prepared, you know, to spend the night in worship, you're not going to be able to do it. You know, it's like running a marathon. If you run a marathon, you have to uh, prepare and train and exercise and look after your diet and take care of yourself. And it's the same with the ibadah. And the month of Ramadan is like a long marathon, a long month of marathon. And you always come towards the end of the month and towards the end of the marathon and you feel tired. The lactic acid is kicking and the pains and the aches starts. And Laylatul Qadr is towards the end of the month of Ramadan. And you find a lot of people coming towards the end of the month of Ramadan when they actually should do more ibadah, becoming more tired and becoming more exhausted. And they find it difficult because they've gone through a lot, especially in the long summer months in Europe uh, and the Northern Hemisphere, when the days are quite very long in the summer. And people become really exhausted very quickly. So you need to start preparing yourself from the beginning of the month of Ramadan. Get your body used to the ibadah, get your body used to the dhikr, get your body used to the, to the reciting the Qur'an and giving yourself a certain amount of verses to recite the Qur'an every single day. You know, I would always say to people, try to finish the Qur'an even at least if once you finish the Qur'an. It is something that you should do. And, you know, the, the, the more you give yourself time, the more you'll find yourself trying to do towards the end of the month of Ramadan, inshallah. And the other thing as well, um, I always say to the brothers during the month of Ramadan, trying to um, cut down on the calories because breaking the fast, it's not about, uh, you know, stuffing yourself to the brim. It's about just giving yourself enough food to be able to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Food is the fuel of the body. And if you overfill your tank, you're not going to be able to breathe. You know, third for your water, third for your food, and third for your air. And subhanAllah, there are a lot of the brothers I see in front of me. There is no space for water and there is no space for air. It's all food. And when they come to pray tarawih, they can't even stand up straight. Because they have, you know, their body is working so hard into trying to digest the amount of food that they accumulated, it becomes very difficult for them. And on the other hand as well, they can't even breathe. So you can't expect somebody like that to stand all night and pray. You put yourself in that position and you're going to find yourself struggling. So trying to you know, organize yourself before Ramadan. And I always say to the brothers, you know, the Prophet Muhammad used to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala six months before the month of Ramadan, to give him the ability to reach the month of Ramadan. And six months after the month of Ramadan, he used to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept the month of Ramadan from him. So six months before Ramadan, that meaning the people used to prepare themselves physically, mentally, and emotionally. You need to start preparing. And, you know, take the analogy of a business. If you want to start a business, you need to invest in that business. And you need to have some investment and you put some time and effort into trying to make that business successful. If you don't, then it will fall and collapse and you will not have anything. And it's the same with the month of Ramadan. If you want to have a successful Ramadan, a successful month of Ramadan, and especially a successful last third of the month of Ramadan, you need to invest time and you need to invest effort and you need to invest from your ibadah in there as well. Train your body and your mind to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala properly. Where were these two surahs, Surah Al-Alaq and Qadr, revealed? 
سورة العلق was revealed to Prophet Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم in مكة سورة القدر was revealed in Medina uh, in سورة العلق we have two parts the first part incites us to learn and study and the second part is talking about kufr and the kafirun is the incitation in this surah to only only study our deen or not anything that will benefit you in this dunya and in the akhirah and as long as you know the, the ilm or the knowledge of the deen is paramount because you need to know your deen you need to understand your deen properly you need to understand your religion properly how can you worship allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you don't understand your deen properly and everything else becomes secondary but you need to have the other knowledges as well because the other knowledge can benefit you and can benefit your deen you know and can benefit other people as well so we need doctors we need nurses we need teachers we need uh, you know scientists uh, we need all these people and they need to study and learn and if you have your religious knowledge with you, it will improve your ability to perform better and to the best of your ability when it comes to doing your other jobs and your other knowledge as well. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless your knowledge for you as well and your studies if you do it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if you want to become a doctor, I will ask the brothers and the sisters who are listening now, correct your niya, make your niya and your intention that you want to become a doctor so you can do it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and help other people for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and save lives and benefit people. If you do that, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless you falls, will bless you lots, and will grant you lots of blessings and lots of ease in your studies and in your endeavor to achieve whatever you're trying to achieve in your journey as well. So they're all connected together, but the ilm or the knowledge of the deen is paramount and should be done first before anything else. Um, have we been advised by the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, to recite these particular surahs in any specific salah? Uh, no. Uh, there is, I can't remember a hadith. Maybe somebody can correct me or can bring it to me, my attention next time. But um, I can't remember a hadith that it needs to be recited in any of the surahs or specified to be recited in anything. What are your thoughts about? the verse which says a lying sinful forehead that it's been proved by scientific facts have you i don't know if you heard this they say like um the front of the forehead is used for thinking and things like this so when it talks about like allah mentions the forehead specifically it's as if it's highlighting that that's where that lying and sinful and those thoughts come from um you know the Quran has so much miracles and so much knowledge in it that until this day people are finding different uh, you know miracles of the Quran you know when we talk about for example giving birth and you know the, the creation of man and how man is created and the the journey that you know the, 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 the child takes to develop inside the mother's womb all of that, you know, they didn't have CT scanners at that time. They didn't have anything to prove any of that. They didn't have any of the science that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned all of that in the Quran. And there's a lot of science and a lot of uh, guidance in the Quran about these things. So you cannot deny them. Uh, you have to accept them and agree with them because the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is full of these, uh, you know, miracles as well. Uh, about different things that if you do them 
you know, you change uh, certain aspects of your life. Um, and if you go through them, inshallah, you'll find a lot, not just in the Quran, but in the Sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa How long is a thousand months, as the, the verse mentions? Well, you're going to have to... Break the calculator out. I got the calculator out. I think it's just about 80 years. Uh, yeah, 83 years. There we go, 83 years. 83 years. Um, related to, I guess, Laytul Qadr, should we plan to give our zakah and sadaqah during the last 10 days of Ramadan, especially on the 25th, 27th, 29th, or at least the odd nights, as it could be Laylatul Qadr? Right. Uh, if your zakat is due before Ramadan, then don't delay it, because you don't know if you're going to live or die. So you, you just need to understand that and keep that in mind before you start making a decision. If you have scheduled your zakah to come out every Ramadan, then it is better to do it in the last 10 days of the month of Ramadan. Because every ibadah, you do it in the last 10 days of the month of Ramadan, it will be multiplied. So it doesn't matter which night. If you, if you can do it in the last odd nights of the month of Ramadan, so the 21st, the 23rd, the 25th, the 27th, and the 29th, then Alhamdulillah, because Laylatul Qadr could be any of these nights, so it's not just the 25th or the 27th or the 29th. It could be any of the last odd nights of the month of Ramadan. I think that's all our questions. Just a final thing. Uh, thank you, Imam Walid. As always, thorough and realistic to achieve, mashallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you. Jazakallah khair. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all. Keep you all healthy and keep you all happy. Uh, open your hearts, your minds uh, to the verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability to find the Quran sweet to recite, Amen. sweet to feel, because the ibadah has a sweet taste. And if we start feeling that sweet taste in our hearts, inshallah, we will be very happy and we'll find happiness wherever we are. The Quran is the companion. That whenever you feel alone, whenever you feel, you know, uh, isolated, can be the one who brings you out of the isolation and can be the one who accompany you through the journey of difficulty and connect you with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and brings you lots of blessings and a lot of um, thinking as well. You know, some of the, uh, the previous uh, scholars you know, when they find a matter, the scientists throughout the Islamic history, if you look at Ibn Sina and others, and these scientists, these people, when they find themselves struggling and they can't find a solution for a problem, they will, you know, take a pause, go and get the Quran and start reciting. And all of a sudden, their minds have cleared from all of the nonsense that they had before. And then they start thinking clearly and they find solutions for the problems. So the Quran is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is secure for whatever we have in our hearts and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all that. Ameen, ameen. So brothers and sisters, we'll be back inshallah next week and uh, next Sunday at 8 o'clock going through some more chapters of the Quran and um, we'll be, be continuing on next week through the inshallah. final part. Inshallah. So inshallah, we'll be back next Sunday at 8 o'clock. Thank you all for listening. Please do share the stream so others can benefit and please do subscribe and like Newcastle Fast FM. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum assalam.